but it's not for God. Worship is for us. See, God gave you worship because you need it, not because he needs it. God doesn't become better God when we worship him. God doesn't become more loving or more wise or more powerful because we worship him. God doesn't change. He's already complete. He has no needs. But guess who does change when we worship him? Me and you. We change. So worship isn't for God. Worship is a gift to to me and you. We misunderstand worship when we think it's our duty or it's our obligation or it's our religious practice. We say, you know, come on, let's get the kids up, get everybody ready, let's get them dressed. Well, we're going to go to church today. What are you, we're going to go to church and worship. Or, or maybe you say, I'm going to do my devotions, I'm going to pray and read my Bible. And, you know, and we go through those routines, and if we're not careful sometimes, we say, why are we just, because it's the right thing to do, it's what I'm supposed to do. It's Sunday, it's my religious practice, it's the, it's the habit, it, you know, it's what God wants. I don't know, it's what God wants, so it's what I do. But, but here's the thing, worship is, is for you. The Bible tells us this about the Sabbath. Jesus said in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So see, God, God didn't make this rule about the Sabbath and then created a man and woman and said, now serve that rule. He created human beings and then he created the Sabbath for us. That it might bless us and that it might enhance our life. It might strengthen us. Worship is God's gift to bless you. I, I, how many of you um, remember the movie, or maybe, maybe you weren't alive then, uh, the movie Karate Kid. Come on. Yes! Much higher than the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I'm so encouraged. Karate Kid. The Karate Kid was one of my favorite movies when I was young. Because, now, I probably couldn't watch it. Now I turn around and go, this is so slow, right? Don't we always say that? This is so slow. I don't know how I ever watched this. Because things are so fast now. But if you watch the movie The Karate Kid, you remember this. There's this little young, scrawny guy. He's in a new city. He's getting beat up. And he needs help. And so he finds this karate master. You know who that is? Mr. Miyagi. He finds Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi is going to teach, you know, Daniel LaRusso karate. And so he says, you show up tomorrow, whatever time it was at his house. And so you remember all this? And then he says, and you're going you're gonna to wax the car, right? Wax on. Wax off. You're going to sand the deck. Remember this? And you're going to paint the fence, right? So he's doing, he's doing all this stuff. And finally, I don't remember uh, how the movie went, a, a, a day, two days, five days, whatever it was. He got sick of it. And he finally just blows up on Mr. Miyagi and he says, hey, I, I, I didn't come over here to do your chores. Well, you know, why are you doing this to me? You're just using me to get all this work done. You're not teaching me karate. I came over here to learn karate. And then if you remember, Mr. Miyagi goes to strike at him. And then all of a sudden he paints the fence. Remember that? Then he waxes on. Then he waxes off. Then he goes, oh, no, I know karate. You know, oh, snap. He was teaching me karate the whole time, and I didn't even know it. And, and see, here's what he misunderstood. He thought, you are having me to do this for you, but the truth was Mr. Miyagi was having him to do it for himself. And that's what worship is. Worship is to God, but it's not for him. It doesn't make him better, it makes you better. That's, that's what worship is. So worship, worship means to ascribe worth, to put the right value on something. 
Now, that doesn't help God. God already knows how much he's worth. He doesn't need you or I to tell him so he'll know how much he's worth. He knows how much he's worth. But when you and I put the right value on God in our life, it changes us. To to ascribe the proper value to God changes us. Putting the right value on him will change. So God is just saying, I dare you. I invite you, go ahead and put the right value on me in your life and see what it does to you. See how it impacts you. In 1947, the the Westminster Shorter Catechism has a, a, a phrase maybe you've heard and didn't know where it came from, but it's been around for hundreds of years. They captured this idea in this phrase. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Isn't that beautiful? Man's highest purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So, if you've got something to write with, let me give you three thoughts this morning. Why did God give worship as a gift to us? Number one, worship redeems, renews, and restores us. One of the most powerful things Jesus said about worship was spoken at a a very unexpected moment. Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at a well. He's not supposed to be in Samaria because he's a Jew. He's not supposed to be at the well uh, talking to this woman because he's a teacher. He's a Jewish teacher. He's a male. She's a female. The whole scene's messed up. And this woman comes from a background uh, uh, of profound brokenness. She, she's had six men, six different men in her life. And the sixth one that she's living with now, she's not even married to, she has profound brokenness in her life. And so here Jesus is talking to her, and here's, here's what's strange. Jesus says something to her about worship that doesn't seem to fit the story unless you understand a little bit about what worship is. John 4, 23, we don't have time to do the whole story, but let me just give you this statement that Jesus says to this woman. Verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come. The time is already here, he's saying. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So here, first thing. We have a Father in heaven who seeks worshipers. He looks across the earth looking for worshipers. Now, now here's the other thing. Uh, people who will worship God with their whole life. Here's what I don't want you to miss, though. Jesus isn't making this statement to his disciples. He's not making this statement to the professional religious leaders called the Pharisees. Jesus is looking deep into the soul of this immoral woman. And he is making the statement to her. Now that has all kind of profound implications. He is clearly inviting this woman to leave her life of emptiness and enter into a life of worship. And it is in a life of worship that she will find restoration and redemption and renewal for her soul. Uh, You know, as a young person, when I found God, 
I began to pursue him with my whole heart. Uh, I had grown up sort of slightly Christian, if that makes sense. I went to a little church, and to me, worship was when the guy would come and stand at the front, and he was a good guy, and they were good people, and they were just doing the best they could. And there was a, key, a piano on one side and an organ on the other, and you know that was it. And, and he would, uh, any of you grow up in a church setting where you were sort of treated like the choir? They, they'd give you the little thing, and I never knew what that was for. I thought, he was, I thought there were flies or something. He was trying to get them out of the way. I never knew what that was. He was trying to keep us on time. That was totally lost on me. I got no rhythm. There's no amount of this that's ever going to get me on rhythm. And he would just go with it, and we would sing the first verse and the second verse and the fourth verse. And I don't know why the third verse is so bad, but it was cut out of every song. Anybody grow up that way? You know what I'm talking about? Always skip the third one. I had no idea why. Why not the second? I don't know. I don't know. But, but that, that was what it was about to me, and I just I didn't know any better. I dropped out of church at 12, and at 15, some friends reached out to me. And when I walked into this other church, I came in, and there were people, you know, raising their hands and singing. And, and I thought, these people have lost their mind. Something, something isn't right about these people. Something, something's happened. But there was something about it, not the style, not the, I don't mean any of that external stuff. There was something about, well, I now know what it was. There was something about the presence of God in that place that, that drew me back. I, even though I was a little, it was a little different for me, I kept coming back. And I began to pursue God with my whole heart. Concerts and revivals and choir practice and men's breakfast and chapel services and private devotions. And when I drive in my car, I'd have a little worship tape that I'd put in. And whenever and wherever, it, I, I was, it was living in His presence that opened a door for me to walk out of the brokenness that I came from and move into a life of peace and joy and renewal and restoration and redemption. And that's why God gave worship as a gift. I don't mean singing. I mean ascribing the right value to God. Honoring God with your life. Honoring God with your words. Honoring God with your actions. Putting God first. Lifting Him up. Living a life of worship. Living in His presence. Walking sensitively to the fact that the Holy Spirit is with you and on you and wants to work through you. And it was, it was those things that, that allowed the work of God to flow through my life in, in restoration. I've been a pastor long enough that, that I, I see this play out in people's lives. When we distance ourselves from a lifestyle of worship, we begin to drift away from God and His purposes. And God has given worship to you, not as an obligation, but as an invitation. <laughs> Listen, Jesus says to you, come to the waters and drink. Come to the fountain and drink. See if you won't find healing and strength and peace and renewal. See what will happen to you if you give God the right value in your life. Which brings us to number two. God gave worship as a gift to you because worship takes us off the throne. Now that's a, that's a big one. You and I all have the desire to acknowledge God. Particularly, I think, in a southern Christian culture. 
We have the desire to acknowledge God. I'm a good person. I got a fish on my car. I go to church on Sunday. That's my pastor. That's my movement. That's my whoever. I, I'm a, you know, I read the Bible. I'll do the right thing. Whatever. We have this desire to acknowledge God, but not let Him be the center. Like, I want to feel spiritual. I want to look spiritual. I want you to think I'm spiritual. But if I'm honest inside, I still really want to be in control. Like, I want to be the one calling the shots. I want to be the one in charge. I want to be the one that, that's still running the show. I, here's what I find. We like things the way we like them. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it like this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. <laughs> will even distort... Christianity if it will mean that we stay on the throne of our own heart. But worship, worship is an activity and a call from God to dethrone you and to enthrone God on your heart. See, here's the conundrum that we're all in with God. This is the lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve at the beginning of time. He said, eat this fruit and you'll be like God. What's he saying to them? Eat this fruit and you'll have more control. You'll have more decision-making ability. You'll be in charge. And here's what's fascinating to me. In their sinless state, they could not resist the temptation. If they couldn't resist it, although they had never known sin, you think we're still struggling with it? Sure, maybe, maybe even worse than they were. See, what was best for them was for God to be in charge, but what was most tempting for them was for them to be in charge. Worship is the only activity that can dethrone that fragile heart that you and I have. When we come to God in humility and say, I, I am not God, and I have no right to run my own life. We always talk about, you know, I, I'm a grown-up and I'm doing all this stuff. The Bible says they who enter the kingdom like a child. What, 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 what worship says is in this topic, we're all really beginners. There are no experts at worship. There are no experts in the kingdom of God. We're all beginners. We're all childlike. We all have to come through the same door of humility. And when we do that, it creates a, a worship in our life. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 says, But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment. Look at verse 25. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. In, in the first service, Chris and Carrie Duncan told a story about a popular guy in Indonesia who's a DJ and he came to their church one Sunday met the presence of God uh, became a Christian went home and told his family that, and they, he didn't tell them anything they asked him what happened to you <laughs> what, what do you mean what happened to you well you're not staying out late and doing drugs and going to the parties anymore what happened to you they noticed such a change he said I don't know I, I met Jesus at church I don't even know what that means but look there's something about true worship that
that dethrones the human heart and puts God in the center. True worship is so powerful it even moves non-believers. God gave worship to us because it is where all the clutter that has been stacked on top of our heart gets pulled off. Number three, worship helps us to know God. God gave us worship because it's how we know Him and it's how God reveals Himself to us. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, I want to read a little scene there. There's a, a man named John who had this incredible experience where God actually gave him a physical vision of what, of what heaven looked like, a physical vision of what the throne room where God the Father lives looks like. And from this vision, we can really learn a lot about worship. Revelation 4, 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Can you imagine that? Looking at something that's looking at you with 50 eyes. <laughs> you think an x-ray is revealing. Check that out. And here's what it says. Day and night, they never stop saying. 24. You think Waffle House is always open. 24 hours a day. Day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, then the 24 elders fall down before him, they bow down, who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say... You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Now, why did I read all that? David Stern, who's translated the New Testament for Jewish readers, has an interesting thought about this vision of God's throne. And this is what I want to share with you. You've got this um, activity where you have these, these angels and these living creatures who just circulate. If you, could, if you could look into the throne this morning right now, if you could see into the throne of God where God is sitting on the throne, you would see these creatures flying around and these other living creatures and these elders worshiping and worshiping and worshiping and bowing down and worshiping. And, and if we're not careful, it can look like, well, well, 24 hours a day? Like when we slept last night, they worshiped. When we wake, they worshiped. And it can feel like this repetitious, submissive, obedient, forced, regimented thing where that's all they do, holy, 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 holy. But watch, here's what David Stern says. He has a different thought about it. He says, when, when, when they see, when they look into the face of God the Father, they see Him and they bow down and they worship. And then when they look up again, they look into the face of God and they see a facet of God. They see a part of His beauty they've never seen before and it overwhelms them and they bow and they worship again. And then they look up and they see another facet of God they've never seen again and they're overwhelmed and they bow and they worship again. And they look up again and they see His face again and they see another facet of God they've never seen before and the one millionth and one time they look in the face of God they see another part of God they've never seen before because that's how infinite God is that's how powerful God is that's how big God is that's how worthy God is of our worship you can look at him a million times and you'll see more than you saw the last time and that's why God has given worship as a gift to us because when I when I look in his face 
and I lift him up and I ascribe the value to him that he deserves I see something that I've never seen before have, have you ever been in a time of worship surely you have and it just seems like for whatever reason there's a song or a word or a phrase or a feeling you say I don't know why but God's faithfulness just seems so real to me today I don't know why but God's grace the fact how, how would he how would he have forgiven me for the thing I know what I've done how could God forgive me but if I'm honest I just feel overwhelmed with the forgiveness and the mercy of God today or, or I feel overwhelmed with God's power man as I worship him today he seems so more, much more powerful than all these challenges that I'm facing how, how do you keep getting a different idea about God when you worship because you keep looking at him in the face and when you do you see more and that's why God gave worship as a gift to us because it's how we come to know him now in just a minute we're gonna we're gonna stand and sing a whole a whole worship song together as we've done this whole series we end a little early so we can stand and sing a whole worship song at the end and and do what we're talking about we can worship him but I want to go back into Revelation 4 I read verse 8 I want to go back to verse 1 and I want to read for you what John saw when he first saw the throne listen to this after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here here's what I want you to know today God sits on the throne and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you and the Holy Spirit is present here and there's a door to the throne room and the door is open and I believe worship is that door worship is God's invitation to you to come to the throne. Worship is that open door. And, and all you have to do, all you have to do is respond. So this morning, I want to ask our prayer team if you'd go ahead and get into place. And as they're coming, we've been asking one question this whole series every week. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Today, as we stand and sing and stand and worship, a whole worship song. If you have an emergency or something and you need to go, please feel free to go. But if you don't, please don't go. The service isn't over. But as we stand and sing today, if you have a need, if you have a physical need, you have a financial need, you have an emotional, relational need, you have a need in your life, a circumstance that won't change, you need God's help, you need God's presence, you need... Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I don't even understand half of what went on today. Maybe you say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm a Christian or a believer. Maybe I hadn't been to church in a long time. Can I tell you, I got great news for you. The door's open for you. God opened the door for you. Maybe he opened the door just for you today. I don't know. But I know this, as we stand and begin to worship, if that's you, and you say, I believe, I believe Jesus opened that door for me. You come and let one of our prayer team pray for you. And I promise you, God, by His presence, will meet you here. So, would you just stand right now? And as the worship team begins to lead us, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to lift your heart, lift your mind, Lord, we worship you today.
God, we lift up with our own voice. Come on with your own voice. Lord, I worship you today. And I, I praise you. I ascribe the value, Lord, that is only to you. Only to you. Lord, I worship you today. I worship you and I bless you. And I praise you. And I honor you. Come on. Come on and just worship him. As we look into his face, we see another part of God we've never seen before. The wind is watching every gesture of your hand. Waves of fear collapse at your command. I know tomorrow when the pressure rushes in, you'll be there to rescue me.
come on this morning and Come on and just worship you one time and Lord, we bless you today. Come on like you mean it. Lord, we bless you today. We praise you today. Lord, we honor you today. And we ascribe the value to you that you deserve. First place in our life. We love you today, Lord. Man, I, I, I'm going to ask the worship team to sing through again. If you need prayer and, and for whatever reason you didn't come, when I dismiss, man, we'd love for you to come. I just don't want you to leave without having the, the meeting with God's presence and the spiritual encounter.